Hi, welcome to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and in about a minute, we're going to be joined by our co-host, Chandler Klebs, coming all the way from Lee Summit, Missouri. This is the beginning of a new series where we're going to just like, you know, present the, the videos like we're actually, we're taping them online and then presenting them here. Okay, this is episode number 197 of Free Will and Hunger. And in this episode, Chandler and I are going to discuss how, you know, we really don't choose, you know, whether we're hungry or not, or actually we don't even choose what preferences and foods we eat. I mean, like, if we're handed an apple or an orange, if we like an orange better, we'll, we'll choose the, the orange. So this is, we're going to just show how, like, hunger and our food preferences and all just demonstrate that we don't have a free will. So again, this is the, the beginning of a brand new series where, like, you know, we're doing this on videotape. And so, um, all right, here we go. Let, um, take away Chandler. Hey, so George. Um, let's talk about food and how our eating habits show uh, that we don't have a free will. Um, do you want me to start with examples, or do you want to? Or? Absolutely. Yeah, no, you had a great example. Yeah, okay, so the idea that somebody freely chooses what they eat or how much they eat of anything means that they would have to choose their own hunger in the first place. So it, unless they chose to be hungry at, at how hungry they were, how can they claim to be responsible um, for what they eat or how much they eat? So they can't be like morally responsible, credit or blameworthy for eating too much, eating too little, eating eat whatever it is. I mean, <laughs> and I think that's a relatable example. Okay, let's take them one at a time. Let's start with, for example, like what we eat. In other words, like we don't get to decide what our preferences are. Some people have a sweet tooth. They, they love to eat sweets. Some people love fried fat food and stuff. Some people dislike certain foods. That's not up to us. Our, our food preferences, I mean, we're, it's, we're either conditioned with them from a very early age or they're genetic. And so, like, neither, neither case allows for a freely willed decision in terms of what we eat. Yeah, we can go with that because we've got the nature or nurture components there. So basically, um, somebody genetically, from the time they're, they're born, I mean, they already have these preferences. They're going to like either ketchup or mustard more than another. Everyone knows I like ketchup. But, you know, um, but also, even if they have a tendency to like a certain food, they may not live in a culture where people eat that food. You know, they may not have experienced that food until later in life. Like I just tried kale, you know, recently and I didn't know, I didn't know what kale was, you know, I did, you know, but it's like, hey, I like it more than other leafy vegetables that I've had. So that's just it. We find out through our lives, we don't decide what foods we like. We simply discover what foods we were genetically programmed to like at the start with. Exactly. We've got to be very clear about this. We're not saying that, for example, let's say we're eating unhealthy foods. You know, we're, we're drinking too much soda. Like each can of soda has, I think, about 12 teaspoons of sugar and stuff. There's some food that just isn't healthy, whatever. So we're not saying that we can't, you know, cultivate, develop healthier eating habits. We do that all the time. What we're saying, though, is like if we're lucky to, enough to do that, or not is not really up to us. So we really, you know, like we should continue to, to encourage ourselves and others to eat healthy, but when we fall short of the mark, when we're not able to, 
fine, we want to still continue to encourage ourselves and each other, but doing it without the blame, doing it like, you know, you or your free will are just like, you know, eating such horrible food and you're a horrible person. That's, that's, the, that's the horribleness of this free will belief. Yes, and I can shortly sum up what you just said. Basically, when we do change our dietary habits, that doesn't require a free will. It's a causal process. Something caused us to, to, to change. For example, some, somebody, they, you know, they have a health concern. Um, like a, a very relevant example is recently, um, my mom was advised by her doctor, um, to, to lower sodium intake related to blood pressure and all that sort of thing. So now we're, you know, we're learning about this and we're, we're paying attention to sodium and I'm, and now I'm mentally adding that to my list of things I check for, you know. So that's just an example is when there's a health concern that that's a common example of someone changes their diet like, oh, well, this isn't good for me. Let me find an alternative. So yeah. Exactly. And for example, if you're like trying to influence someone else to eat healthily, if you adopt this free will perspective and start blaming them and accusing them, that's not going to work nearly as well as you, if you, if you say to them, listen, I understand this isn't fundamentally up to you, but to the extent that you eat healthier, you're, you're going to be healthier and your life will be better. So like, again, it's a much more compassionate and probably effective way, not just of helping other people, you know, eat healthy, but also to ourselves. We would say the same things to ourselves. Exactly, because one of the problems is, you know, some people, they may have good knowledge. They may have knowledge about how to eat healthy, but then when they talk to people, they come across as a jerk because they believe in free will, and so they're blaming people. It's like, well, you're choosing to eat unhealthily, and, and you know, it's like uh, they get all mad at them, and so then those people get all upset, and it's like, well, you know what? I don't like you, so I'm going to eat more of this unhealthy food that you don't like just to spite you and that's what happens <laughs> i hear you all right so like so chandler we've covered this like preference in foods it's not really up to us you know we don't have a free will to choose what we prefer but now let's go to the, the hunger issue for example a lot of people are overweight because you know they are eating right and let's say they're already filled their, their stomach is full but they continue to be hungry you know and so, like, a lot of people will blame people. Oh, you know, that, that's gluttonous. You're just like a pig. You're just, like, eating way too much and stuff. And this stems from the free will belief. So now des describe to the audience how it would be when, as people overcome this belief in free will. Well, as people overcome this belief in free will, then they become interested in the causes. Well, you know, why is this, this person hungry? Is there something in their food that's making them more hungry? Is there some genetic component, some condition they have that's adding to their hunger? Do they have a parasite that adds to their hunger? There's all sorts of different things that I've, that I've heard of that can cause people to be hungry for more than they need. And it could be that there's, that their food isn't enough nutrient dense enough. There's not enough nutrients and so their body's screaming, give me more, I'm looking for vitamins, you know? Oh yeah, and another point, we want to like be very clear to our audience. In other words, like what it also could be is that the person is not exercising enough willpower. So in other words, like for example, you have two people, you know, and one person really wants to lose weight much more than the other, has much more incentive, is able to summon up more willpower, 
But, you know, when, when we say that, you know, we also have to explain that willpower is not the same as free will. Fine, one person may have more uh, willpower to eat less, to not overeat, than the other person, but neither the person who eats less nor the person who is not able to has any amount of free will at all. Exactly. For one thing, someone doesn't choose their level of willpower. No matter how you may define willpower, you have as little choice in that as you did your, your own hunger to begin with and your preferences in food. Right. And again, as with our preference with foods, um, even though we don't have the fundamental free will to choose our foods, we can, over time, cultivate better, you know, eating habits. So with free will, like if we don't have enough free will when we first start trying to diet, we can, like, read a few books about it, learn about it, just exercise our free will. So we're able to do that. But again, the key thing to remember is, like, whether we succeed or not in that is fundamentally not up to us. Yeah. And the knowledge that it's not really up to you to begin with, in a sense, it, it matters and doesn't matter in some interesting ways. Because some people are like, they just dismiss it, like, well, why would it matter whether it's up to me or not? And it matters in how we treat people significantly. Because when we just blame and credit people uh, um, as if they were the author of everything they do, then it leads it leads to all sorts of negative feelings and and arrogance on the people who do who just were born with more quote unquote willpower you know so that that's part of it but at the other side of it is that the sense in which it doesn't matter is that we still enjoy doing the things that we like even though those things were not up to us so it seems to me that it it takes away a lot of pain when we remove free will belief, but it leaves the positive elements of our lives untouched. So it's getting the good without the bad. Chandler, that's great. So you're making two points. On the first one, just, you know, we tend to shame and to blame people who are overweight for that, and we do that based on this free will belief. Now, here in the United States, about two-thirds of Americans are overweight, so there's a lot of, like, discrimination, a lot of blaming, a lot of shaming based on people's beliefs that, oh, this person, you know, is, like, choosing to be overweight. They're just, like, being immoral. They're being kind of, like, evil in a way, or they're deserving of shame. They're deserving of, like, bad treatment. So what we're saying is, yeah, to, to the extent people understand, no, we don't get to fundamentally choose how overweight or slim or whatever we are because we don't have a free will, fine, we'll still want to encourage ourselves and each other to, you know, eat healthily, to maintain a healthy weight, but we're going to do it a lot with a lot more compassion. Uh, the, the second point that you made is also really good. It's just the idea that, um, that wait a minute, I lost my train of thought. What was the second point? You, you had an excellent point relative to that. Um, was it that um, that we don't really um, we don't really choose um, what? No, no, you had a point. I, I'm sorry. I, I think it. I remember what it was. <laughs> I think it was how overcoming through a belief it removes a lot of negative, but it leaves the positive intact, and that's what's so brilliant about it. Excellent. Thanks, Chandler. So, all right. So, like, yes. So, in other words, like, you know, we like to take credit. Let's say we are overweight. 
and let's say we're 30 pounds overweight, we decide to diet, we summon up the willpower, we're lucky, because then we have to be lucky, because since we don't have a free will, we're lucky that the universe, God, or whatever is controlling everything, is allowing us to do this, as you're saying, we're enjoying, we're enjoying that the universe has allowed us to do this. We're enjoying the process of losing weight. We're enjoying the process of feeling better. So, like, this is very important for people to understand. Not having a free will does not mean that we can't enjoy our successes. And, like, and maintaining a healthy weight and losing weight is one of these successes. Exactly. And, yeah, there's so much positive to be gained from it, and that's why I think it's sad when people dismiss the free will topic as insignificant because it matters greatly. And I think, I think here's one of the things that's interesting is that now we know that determinism or indeterminism, either causality or a causality, both completely obliterate the, the idea of free will. But only it seems to me that only determinism is of any practical use at helping us because when we look at the causality, instead of just assuming that people are just randomly eating whatever they're eating, which it to do that denies their food preferences. It denies their food preferences <laughs> to start with and the and the reasons that we all know exist. Chandler, that's a brilliant point. I want to reiterate because it's such an important point. A lot of times people, like when we hold this free will belief, let's say we're, we're trying to like, we're talking with someone who needs to lose weight and they're not able to lose this weight. You know, we kind of like say, say to ourselves, well, you know, they, um, they should be losing it and, and they're not. And, and like there's, there's something wrong with them that they, they just like, they basically, there, 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 there's something, you know, there, there's something that they're doing wrong, and it's about their free will. In other words, like, of their free will, they're just choosing not to lose this weight. And, like, what happens with free will belief is that that's where it ends. That's, that's where it ends, whereas, like, when we, as we overcome this free will belief, we understand, wait a minute, you know, there are reasons why this person is not uh, losing weight. There, is, there are reasons why this person is overeating. There are reasons why this person is eating, you know, uh, the wrong foods. And actually, Chandler, let's get into this because, like, we're in a political season. I want to do a lot of shows on this. Basically, we're in the primaries now, but eventually we're going to have a Democratic candidate versus a Republican candidate for the presidency. And, like, basically... Let's talk about how, like, it's the responsibility of our politicians to address this issue. Again, two-thirds of Americans are overweight. Not only does it lead to a lot of, like, shaming and blaming and discrimination against the overweight, it leads to huge health care costs as people kind of, like, are blamed for of their free will being over, overweight, and then they go into denial. The, the blame is so hurtful, so harmful, they can't deal with it, so they can't properly address um, their weight problems. So Chandler, talk about like what our politicians should be saying and why it's their responsibility to take this on as an issue, you know, also relative to this free will thing. Well, it's interesting, George, because now obviously I know that the politicians, as would any public figure, would be terribly afraid at at saying any public statements related to the topic of free will because that's a sure way to get hate mail and to not get voted for. So that that's our first problem. And second of all, we have to think, do these people even know about this or understand it? That is another tricky one. 
Um, and of course, I'm no expert on how politics really works, but seriously, this needs to be this. I, I think, I, and this is this is this is my thought, just from and mostly from listening to you know Mitch and Mike because we, they were talking politics. Is I seem to think that more the ones that are labeled as democratic or liberal, for example, they tend to better understand in general that people don't choose certain things. They understand that people don't choose their sexuality. They understand that, that people don't choose to be poor, those sort of things. So they're already sort of on that side where they get, well, people don't really have um, you know, ultimate control over their lives in every area. So that so there's already a concession on that side that yes some people don't have control in certain areas of their lives but what um, what we're saying is really nobody has this ultimate originating control in any area of our, of their lives and this is why it's very important to understand that any p policy any political uh, move by any government agency at all will have an effect on the population. I mean anything that is anything that's done by the FDA, anything that's done by the AMA, whatever, the these things related to food and health for example, any statement they make, there's going to be people who read that and that will cause some type of change in behavior for those who who read that and understand it. So I just so yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. The Democrats are far more likely to get this and appreciate this, just like they're far more likely likely to understand that climate change is happening, to respect and appreciate and understand science than the Republicans. But what I have to say, like, because you were saying that, like, you know, neither party has the courage, you know, to a certain extent, to tell the people the truth about, like, nobody has a free will and all, partly because they're, they're afraid to go up against religion to a certain extent. But, you know, one candidate, you know, like, um, there's this debate in Iowa tonight, a Republican um, primary debate, and Fox News was actually, in, in my opinion, I, I listened to what they tweeted, I, I, I saw it on, online, they were being unfair to Trump. And Trump was a maverick. He basically said, well, you know, if you're going to treat me like that, like that, I'm not going to be in the debate. And your ratings are going to go down. And so now he's doing a, a, um, something, you know, an event that's going to compete with, with this debate, this, this Fox News debate. And so, like, what I'm saying is, like, you know, I disagree with a lot of Trump's policies, right? But the man shows courage, the kind of courage that, that should the Democrats and other Republicans should be sh showing uh, so much. I mean, like, he... He values the integrity of what he's saying over what people want to hear to, to a great extent, and you need that in politics. Yeah, you know, I do think it, the people who do like Donald Trump, part of the reason they probably like him is because he'll come out and say what he thinks about some things. And so there's a certain level of a person being honest about what they really think. Um, even if you disagree with them about something, there's still something about, well, this person's real instead of just, you know, oh, I'm all afraid. I don't want to say anything because people will be offended, you know, like, because that's just no way to live. And people, I don't think they do respect that. Exactly. And I think sometimes, like, with this free will thing relative to the overweightness, I think it just needs someone to break the ice on this. For example, if you remember a couple of years ago, 
of Colorado legalized cannabis, legalized marijuana, you know, for recreational use. Then soon after that, Oregon did. Now Washington's legalized it. Alaska's legalized it. And now, you know, politicians who wouldn't touch the subject before in previous years are now coming out for either like legal recreational marijuana or legal medical marijuana. So the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is like the same dynamic could apply to this free will thing. To the extent that people understand that when people believe in free will, we're going to be meaner. We're going to be more cruel to other people. We're going to be we're going to want to punish ourselves more. When we do something wrong, we say, oh, my God, I have, you know, I did this my free will. I deserve to be punished. So this is major. This, this has major sociological implications that our leaders should be addressing. And, again, all we need is for someone to break the ice, and then that, then all of a sudden everyone, no one will be afraid to, to address this anymore. Yeah, absolutely, because here's what I think happens is you know how um, – it always takes one person to start something with whatever whatever it is. There's always one person who's bold enough to do something that everyone else is afraid, but then they do it, and then someone else says, "Oh, well, this person did it, so maybe I can too." And then so once then once you know you have a case to follow the leader, one person started, and then you get more and more people who are like, "Oh, well, now all these other people have done this." So so that's how shifts happen in society. What one in that sense, you could say one person can make a difference because of phenomenon like that. Right. And again, you know, going back to the politicians' responsibility, they are the leaders of this country, and this country is the leader of the world. So, like, you know, they need to summon up the the courage, and they need to kind of actually, like, get interested in this topic. They, they still, they probably don't, you know, even fully understand the harm this free will belief causes. It's not just about, like, you know, the, the weight thing, attributing, like, you know, the free will to people who are overweight and blaming them. This is across the board. Anytime we blame someone else for anything or blame ourselves, you know, we're ordinarily doing it under the free will perspective that, like, we, they or we, you know, had the free will, and since we didn't do what we should have been doing, we're evil, we're wrong, we deserve to be punished. I mean, this goes across the criminal justice system, goes across our economic system, goes across just, like, so many, um, so many sectors of our society. So, again, as, as politicians, you know, it's their job. It's their job to not be wimps about this. It's their, their job to not, like, just simply not tell people things that are in their best interest, but perhaps they don't want to hear, like, climate change. You know, these politicians need to step up to the plate. And also the media, you know, the, the reporters that interview them. You know, you know, something major just happened this, this last week. Um, over the last three years or so, three, four years, three major science magazine, um, magazines, um, New Scientist, Scientific American Mind, and BBC Focus, came out with first-ever cover stories refuting free will. Okay, that was huge. Now this week, uh, the, the philosophy magazine, Philosophy Now, as their cover story, had the, uh, as, as their, their story that free will is an illusion. So, so basically, this is getting out there, you know, and, and so this may change the dynamics. This is, you know, we're getting to a point, so like now reporters who saw those articles in, uh, in the science magazines, who see this, this article in Philosophy Now, are now, they are armed with ammunition to then ask the, the candidates, 
Do you believe in free will? You know, do you believe that it's right to blame someone for something that's not in their um, control at all? Yeah. And, you know, here's an interesting thought, George. Now, um, in one of the podcasts where I was I was with Mitch and Jamie in that episode, I believe. Um, well, here's here's the deal. As I threw out the idea. Well, let's suppose that be, being obese was a crime and you went to jail for that or, or something like that. Well, j- imagine that. Now, some people who believe in free will, they might say, well, yeah, these people chose to be obese, so they deserve to be punished. So the free will believers would be for a policy like where people are punished severely for being overweight, whereas, um, uh, you know, an incompatibilist or, de- or determinist on the free will issue is going to be like, well, no, no, we should help these people. Um, we should find out why the universe has compelled them to be obese and, and, and eat the way they do and find a way to help them, if at all possible. But we don't punish people because we know nobody deserves to be punished. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we need a certain kind of like a threat of punishment to serve as a deterrent because otherwise, like without, you know, any threat of punishment, some people who wouldn't ordinarily commit crimes may. But, you know, they've done research on this. They had two groups. One group was primed to believe that everyone has a free will. The other group was primed to believe that nobody has a free will. And then they were asked to weigh in on a question. Somebody committed a certain crime. How much time should they spend in prison or in jail or whatever? So it turned out that the people who believed in free will wanted that person to stay in jail twice as long as the people who didn't believe in it. And naturally, this was vindictive. This was revenge. It was a hate, you know, hate-based kind of like a vengeance based on and founded on the free will belief. Now, I wanted to get back to, to Trump because, like, he's made certain statements. I mean, the guy's worth, you know, $10 billion dollars. And he makes statements to the effect that, well, you know, like, he's very religious. He believes in God. He understands that were it not for the grace of God, he wouldn't have made a, a dollar, you know, in business. So he recognizes that, that that he was lucky in that. So this is a perfect platform for saying, well, wait a minute. Like, if you were lucky, you know, for being so rich, how are you going to blame somebody who's so unlucky as to be poor? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Um, cause I think what people do is they flip flop. Like in one sense, they'll admit, well, you know, this wasn't really up to me. I, I didn't build this all by myself for the grace of God or whatever you believe or, you know, so yeah, some people realize they were lucky, but then at the same time, they, fl- they flip around and also take credit for things. And, and that, and that's what, that's what's very complicated about it. And but but another thing people do is they want to take the credit for the good things that they consider good that they've done or the success they've had, but then they don't take the blame. And this is really an a, an all all or nothing thing, this free will thing, because it, you you either have to claim that you are, have free will, and then you get both credit and blame, or you don't have free will and you get neither. And for some reason, that's hard for people to handle. <laughs> Chandler, you're right. And in politics, you know, these politicians will flip-flop all the time. Even like Trump, I mean, like 10 years ago, he was in favor of legalizing all drugs. 
Now he's not even like, you know, so much in favor of legalizing marijuana. So like, you know, a lot of these politicians, they don't have character. They basically just tell people what they want to hear. So again, with this free will thing though, you know, for our sake, we're going to, we're going to do an episode, for example, on how free will belief, you know, basically amplifies climate change denial. It'll be a very interesting episode, but all right. So we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, why don't you just wrap things up with just like, you know, summarizing this free will belief, um, overweight in this connection. Yeah, the free will belief has many implications in how we treat people who are obese, as well as how we investigate and try to eliminate causes of unhealthy behavior that leads to obesity. And I think that determinism is a much better way than this archaic belief in free will. Excellent. That's all we have time for today. Stay tuned for other episodes where we try to explain why we don't have a free will and why this matters. Thanks for watching.